really good, I'll just whip out my phone and write it down because it's like, oh, this is brilliant, right? And so one of those things, I was asking, she was asking me a question, and I was asking her back and forth. And so at one point she goes, Dad, Dad, what's your favorite scent in nature? I'm like, whoa, good, good question. All right. Uh, and I was like, well, uh, I grew up in Colorado. I really like the, like a, a stream and river kind of in the mountains kind of smell. And I, it has its own kind of smell, but that's my favorite smell in nature. Hey, Penny, that's her name. Penny, what's your favorite smell in nature? She looks at me, she goes, unicorns. Oh, unicorns. So I was curious. Okay, what is a, uh, what does a unicorn smell like? She's all, rainbows. I was like, oh, okay, well, what's a rainbow smell like? She goes, oh, dad, unicorns. And I was like, sound logic. I have no way around that. I'm like, yeah, okay. So that's my daughter's favorite scent in nature. And the thing with the questions is that if, if you're new here or if you're, you're, you're discovering who this guy named Jesus is and you're, you're wondering about him, you know, we talk a lot about Jesus in here. We do. We talk a lot about Jesus. And whether you believe him is your savior or not, maybe you're in here and you're like, yeah, Jesus, this, this guy, he's pretty cool. He seems like a good guy. Maybe he's a good teacher. There's something about him. But I'm not sure. No, no matter what you are, since we do talk a lot about Jesus, you might have some questions about Jesus as well, which is fantastic. And we can go and we can break down a bunch of questions. But today, I actually want to talk about one time a question was asked to Jesus. And Jesus was asked this question. And basically, the question he was asked was, what do we have to do to live our best lives? Right? That, that was really the question that was asked. What do we have to do to live the good life? And maybe you guys have wondered this, and I think, I think if we're honest, we all kind of asked this kind of question before, like, what do I have to do to live my best life, to live the good life, you know what I mean? What should, what should I be doing above all else? So Jesus answered this, and we're going to read in Mark chapter 12, 28 through 34. He says this, he says, so uh, this is what happened. Uh, one of the teachers of the law came and, and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given a, a good answer. He's like, man, this guy, really good answer, right? He says, he, and he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Right, I want to I I break this down. So this is a question we ask. And maybe we don't word it the same, right? So his question was, what was the greatest commandment? We word it something like, uh, what do I got to do to live the best possible? What do I got to do to live the good life? That's the same kind of question. What we're really asking is, how do I live a good life? How do I be a good person? And so Jesus answered this. And what we see is not if you have the best fitness or if you have the best finances or if you have the most power or if you have the most fame but 
We see Jesus answers the question, love God. And it's funny, too, because, like, if it was finances or, or fitness, it'd be pretty easy, right? Like, like, fitnesses, like, if that was the thing you had to do, well, that'd be pretty easy. You could hire a trainer. You could go on a diet. If it was finances, you could do a budget. For some of you, just make money, whatever, right? So some of those are some things. But it's not. Matter of fact, it's love God. So then if you're like me, which I think you are, I was reading that I was like, okay, but how? Like, how do I do this? This is the one thing, how? And so God answers that and he says, uh, this is how you're supposed to love. I want you to love with your whole selves. And he actually breaks up into four different categories that make up you. Right? He breaks up. He says, there's our hearts, which is the center of our affections, our will, our souls, our emotions and how we feel, the uniqueness of us. Our, our minds, our, our understanding, our intellect, how we comprehend different things in our strength, our might, our power. I mean, how we overcome adversity. This is what God says. These are these four things. And by the way, this isn't just like the whole of you. But I want you to understand that you, you're not just going to pick one or two or maybe three of these things. No, no, no. You have to love with all four completely. This is, this is what Jesus says. All. Your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And I don't know about you, I was like, all, that's a lot of alls. And you know, it's interesting, all is where we get the English word whole. So, today I want to focus on the heart. Everybody say heart. Now, now say it like this, heart. <laughs> Stop. All right. So I want to focus on the heart, and if, uh, if you hang out with Christians... For a matter of time, you'll actually notice that we talk a lot about the heart. No, I'm serious. We talk a lot about the heart. Like, oh, my heart is this, and oh, my heart, my heart's leading me here, and I have my heart for this. And, and you might be going, why? What's the deal? It seems like it's like so super important. That's why we talk about it, because it is actually it's super important. But let me let me let me tell you, it's not the sappy, hallmark, sentimental kind of heart. You know what I mean? Like like even that picture, ooh, heart. It's not, it's not like that kind of sappy heart. No, no, no. The heart that we're talking about is important. You see, the Bible says it's the very center of our being. The very center of our being. As Christians, it's where everything comes from. Everything comes from the heart. Proverbs 4, 23 says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everybody say guard. That was pretty good. Some of you don't even know how to say guard. I like that. All right, now, now actually if you break that down, this is just the translation I like to use, but if you break it down, there's other translations, and it says like stand guard, and then it has like, talks about like almost like a prison with guards. I want you to picture that, okay? Your heart. And it's saying the way you're supposed to treat your heart, the way you're supposed to guard it is almost like a prison. And you're guarding it so, up, and you need to guard it above everything else. Guard your heart. Now, there's a lot of things to guard. Relationships. There's, there's a lot of things, the way you, you, all these different. But the Bible says above everything else, guard your heart. And why? Why? We're, again, we're talking about heart, but Why? Because it's where everything comes from. It's where everything comes from. Good things come from a good heart. 
Bad things come from a bad heart. But at the end of the day, the heart is the source. I want, I want you to imagine. See if you can do this. Imagine that right now, there's only one place in the world that you can get water. Okay? Like all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay. One place that you can get water. In the, in the whole world that you can get this water. Think about this. How would that one place be guarded? How would that one place be, be fortified against anyone who wanted to contaminate that water? I mean, it would be a fortress. If it was the only place, the source, where we could get water, we would do whatever we can to protect it. Because guess what? We need water. We need it. So, Jesus was asked this other question this other time. And the guy said, well, what makes, what makes a person good? Or what makes a, a person bad? And, and it was asking Jesus. And Jesus, he responds in Matthew 15, 19. I, I just want to tell you. He says, out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Whoa. What? Yeah, Jesus like, yeah, out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Not, not your lips, but your heart. So like, you know, you know many of those times you're like just doing life or doing something. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I, I slipped up and I said the cuss word. Oops, oops you know. Or you're, you say, you say, you slip up, you go, oh, I didn't mean this. I said that like racist statement or whatever, right? You're like, oh, well, I'm sorry. That's, it's not really me. It, it was my upbringing or whatever. No. No, I'm sorry. It's no, it's because of your heart. So maybe you're like, oh, but it's just, I just had a little lustful moment. No. Something is in your heart. There is something wrong. Out of the heart come evil thoughts. This is what Jesus tells us. Murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, slander. This is what Jesus says. Out of our heart comes these things. And when Jesus said this, he was talking to these religious leaders and it was very offensive but it's so important because God is trying to make sure we understand. You see, God doesn't judge us on the outside. He doesn't judge us on what our appearance is and what we look like, but he judges us on our heart. He looks at our heart. And by the way, this is the opposite of what we do. I mean, we, we do. We look at everything else, basically. After we've looked at everything else, then maybe we'll look at the heart. But God goes straight to the heart. Matthew 23. is what it says. It says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Again, he's talking to these, these Pharisees, people who know the Bible. And he says, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees. First clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the, also, the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Yeah. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees. You hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. Imagine like a really beautiful tomb on the outside. It's like this whitewashed, beautiful tomb. Which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and are everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. He's talking to these religious people, and he's saying, why are you, you're trying to change everything on the outside. But I'm looking at the inside. 
And yeah, you can change the things on the, on the outside. You can make that bowl super shiny. But at the end of the day, if it's gross on the inside, you haven't changed anything. As a matter of fact, sometimes if you just try to change the outside so much, it, it's almost like you can make the inside worse. Let, let me explain. Uh, maybe, maybe you know somebody or, or whatever, and you're like, and they have like a goal to, be fit, to get fit. You know, like, I'm going to get skinny, right? And they're like, yeah, I'm going to do all these things. And they do it, and then like they hit their goal. And so like on the outside, they're like, yeah, like I'm skinny, you know, woo, I'm happy. But then all of a sudden now they're like super judgmental and self-righteous. It's almost like they got worse because of that. But, you know, now they're like, oh, I'm skinny. And, and, you know, your friends are like, oh, man, like, I liked you better when you were fat. <laughs> you know? Like that mindset, like we change the outside, but it can affect our inside. So how do we determine where our hearts are at? If this is the truth, if, if it really is true that Jesus says that out of our heart wickedness comes, then how do we know where our hearts are at? Right now, we need to ask this question. What is my heart set on? What is my heart set on? Where do I spend my time, my focus, my energy? Because at the end of the day, the truth is, we are what we love. We are, we are giving our hearts to something. We are. We're giving hearts to something. So the question is, what is it? Whatever it is, what, I want to think about what is the thing that I'm giving. Whatever it is, it drives what we do. Think about this for a second. What's the one thing that you're like, oh, man, this is the thing I love the most? Whatever it is. Whatever it is, it drives you. It determines how you live. So I want you to ask that question and be honest with yourself. I'm not going to go around the room. This is for you to think what drives you. Money? Popularity? Fame, approval of others. Listen, if your goal in life is to have approval of others, you're probably going to achieve your goal. I mean it. Say the right things, do the right things, uh, get the better body, all this kind of stuff. And people are like, yeah, yeah, you, know, you achieved it. But if your goal in life, if you don't have that desire, to, if you don't care what people think, then you're not going to go after it. Like it doesn't matter to you it won't happen because we what we love is the most important thing about us this is super crucial get this just for a second what what you love is the most important thing about you and the reality is is that we love the wrong things we do and, and when we love the wrong things, it dictates how we live. And most of you know this. Most of you have either experienced this or you, have, you know a friend or you've seen it happen. Somebody who's all, like, their whole heart, their whole their drive, their focus is this thing that you're like, what are you doing? That's not good. That's the wrong thing. And you can see it. And some of you have experienced this. You're like, oh. And you know what it looks like to, to go after the wrong thing and realize the heartache that happens. When you love the right things, it is key to love and joy and peace. But loving the wrong things makes us miserable. Okay. So what's the right thing? 
really, what, what is the right thing? If you're like, we got to love the right thing, what is it? Well, Jesus answered us in this verse, remember? He said, love the Lord your God. Love God himself. The most important thing, the greatest commandment is love God. Okay, now hear me real fast, though, because I want you to know something. What I'm not talking about is your outward appearance. I'm not talking about what you do. Okay, understand that you can have knowledge of God, and you, and you can know a lot, a lot about him, but that doesn't mean you know him. You can do all the right things, and you miss the point. Some people just miss the point. They think, oh, if I just do all the right things, then I'm doing what God wants. I, I, you know, me, I met, I met this, this one guy one time, and we were, we were having this long conversation, and I was talking about reading the Bible, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've read my Bible 40 times. 40 times. I was like, that's amazing. And then on conversation, I was like, yeah, but you're a terrible person. I didn't tell him that. I was just thinking that. No, but seriously. You missed the point. You missed it. We could do, I can spend all the, the quiet time, I can do prayer, all this kind of stuff all over and over again. I can brag about it, I can have a boastful heart about it. You missed the point. God's not after obedience alone. What God wants most is our love. And not this mushy, gooey, shallow love like what you have in junior high. Or at least what I had in junior high. No offense. I mean it. Not that, I mean, for me, I was like, oh, I like this girl. Oh, I like that girl. I was all over the place. And then I got to high school. And in high school, I was like, oh, I like this one girl forever. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. Also, wasn't the right type of love. This type of love is more than this sentimental, this momentary love. No, the love that God is talking about is that love that comes from the heart. Remember, the center of our being. This kind of love that sees God as this ultimate treasure that we will do anything to get. Just picture for a second. Okay, think about this. Like, oh, I'll give you an example. When I, when I, I wanted to marry my wife. I did. Ta-da. Okay, all right. But, yeah, that's... That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. There's, I was going somewhere with that. So I, I wanted to marry my wife. But in order to marry my wife, what you guys don't know is that I, there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of obstacles to get in the way to me marrying my wife. Matter of fact, the first obstacle, the biggest obstacle, seems like was my father-in-law. I mean, like, my, my father-in-law... <laughs> this, you guys, you don't even know. You don't even know how terrible it was. This guy had me prove myself to him over and over and over and over again. I remember one time he actually called me into his office. And he said, hey, I, uh, I got word that you might want to marry my, my daughter one day. Um, in my head, I'm like, we've been dating for like three and a half years. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, yeah, that's the goal. Eventually, I want to marry your daughter. And he's like, well, I just want to let you know, you don't have my blessing. And I said, it's a good thing I'm not asking to marry your daughter right now then, I guess. That's, that's literally what I had to put up with. This is a true story. What is going on? I, at one point, I ended up 
having to work for his roofing company to show him how tough I was. And you guys all know how tough I am. Why are you, why are you laughing so much? I'm so confused. Forget that, though. Even the ring. I wanted to get my wife this ring, and I couldn't afford it, so I had to, like, save up. And I remember I remember, I had to put it on layaway, and I had to keep making money. And I, every, like, month, I'd go to them and be like, here's more money. And I'd get over and over and over again. And the whole time trying to prove myself to my, my soon-to-be father-in-law, if he ever would approve of me. I mean, all these stuff, these obstacles in my way. It was tough. But why would I do that? Because I saw... My marriage to Ashley is the ultimate treasure. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Do you understand? You just, you do whatever it takes, including put up with all this crazy stuff. Scrounge up all the money that you can find. Looking through the couch, trying to find change. Whatever it takes. And if we love God this way, of course, we live for him this way as well. But I will tell you, it is possible to just go through the motions of living for God and not really loving him. Hear that? That's an alarm telling you. It's possible to go through the motions of living for God and not really loving him. And that's why God says, loving God is first, not living for him. Because you can live for God and not love him. But you can't love him and not live for him. But if we're honest, the reality is that some of us love God like kids love vegetables. Which is not very much. Hey, you're not kids, you're youth. Okay, look, I got two little kids. I know. You know how kids love vegetables? Like this. Uh, I'll do it, but I don't want to. And you joke at that, but get this, guys. That's how some of us love God. Uh, I don't want to, but I will. I, I don't want to, but I will. Can I tell you, can I tell you, no one wants to be loved like that? No, I'm serious. Nobody wants to be loved like that. Again, imagine Ash and I, my wife. Imagine that, like, so we're married, and imagine that we're doing everything that we're supposed to do, right? Like, like we're doing, we're following all the rules of marriage. Like, we're being faithful, we, we clean the house, right? We pick up the kids from school, we, we put the kids to bed, we, we do all the stuff that we're supposed to do, right? Um, we make, we, we provide for each other, the family, and we do all this kind of stuff. So, we're doing everything we're supposed to do, except, yeah, well, I lost it. In my defense, she lost hers first. But get this. The ring doesn't mean I'm not married to her. Boom. All right, anyway. Listen. Thank you. I can do all the things I'm supposed to do in my marriage, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, if there's no love, if there's no, like, I love this person, I want to be with this person, and that kind of stuff. Guess what? You'd be like, that's horrible. That's not love. And yet for some, for some of us, 
our whole relationship with God is about following, following the rules. Like if I just do these right things, if I follow these rules, that's crazy. Like I can imagine me telling my wife, but I'm doing all the right things. Like I'm, I'm doing what you want me to do. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all these things. You know, I, I can see her right now. She'd be like, I didn't marry you to take out the trash. I can see her just saying, just love me. See, we get this. We understand this when it comes to natural relationships. But we, it's almost like we have a hard time grasping it when it comes to a relationship with God. So there's this story in the Bible, and it's of two sisters. And these sisters are um, Mary and Martha. Martha's, uh, Jesus comes over, and he's hanging out. And Martha's running around, staying busy, and doing all this stuff. And then Mary's sitting there and just being with Jesus and staring at him. And at one point, Martha complains. And Jesus tells Martha, no, 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 Martha, you're missing it. And Martha is serving Jesus, but he's, she's not loving him. At this time, in the Old Testament, we have these Jewish people. And they made this, this big deal about the sacrifices and doing the right thing in the right order. And then Jesus comes and he dies and the veil is torn. And he makes a way to have this amazing connection with our Heavenly Father. And, and, and they start trying to do it some more. And he's like, that's great. But listen, I don't care about that stuff. What I want is your heart. Yeah, you showed up to do the right thing. But I just want your heart. God sees the heart in Matthew 15, 8, it says this. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Man, I don't want to fall into that category. Oh, can I side note real fast? Uh, God's not opposed to us serving others. I don't want us to like think like, oh, well, I don't want to do all the, the right things, and therefore I shouldn't be serving other people. No, uh, God's not opposed to us serving others, okay? Matter of fact, it's the opposite. We exist to serve and bless others. This is a true thing. But the order is that we must love God first. Okay, inside note. So how do we love God? This whole night has been about our heart. How do we love God? First and totally. Simple. Easy. Now, actually, I think it's easier to follow all the rules than to love God totally. It's, you might be like, what? No, think about it. It's easier to follow all the rules in the Bible than just to love God with everything. With everything. Now, why? Because I think we have so many things that are competing for our hearts. Wait, Jesus, you want me to give you, you want me to give you the best of me all the time? Yeah, but you know what the truth is? We can't do that. Not on our own. If we're, if we're honest, we cannot do that on our own. It's more than we know how to give. And it's something that we can't just manufacture. I can't, I'm a magician. And I can't like say the right words or snap my fingers and poof, all of a sudden I have a heart change. That's just not how it works. In order to love God fully, we must rely on God. And we need new hearts if we're going to love God like this. So imagine you go to the doctors and, and you've been taking care of your body all, li all your life. And you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, well, I got news for you. You need a new heart. What? 
No, I don't. I, I exercise. I eat right. I do all the right stuff. There's no way I need it. You're looking at the wrong charts. No, no. You need a new heart. The old one has to go. You need a new one. That's the reality. Guys, we need heart surgery. And Jesus knew this was the case. So as he's saying to this, hey, love the Lord God with all your heart, your, your, your soul, your mind, your strength. As he's saying this, he knows that no one can do it on their own. He knows that, that that's impossible to do. Then enters Jesus. It's like, that, it's like a movie. Like, you know, the people who are like, I know they're dying, but give them my heart. Like, there's so much of a better person than I am, and, and they need my heart more than I do. And, and yes, I'll die, but they'll live. You know, it's like one of those movies, Hallmark, obviously, right? And it's one of those things. Yeah, it's, it's one of those movies. But you know what you never see in those movies? Like, give my heart to that person who hates me and te- treats me terrible. No, you never see that. You never see them being like, here's my heart to the person who, like, called you names and picked on you and bullied you all the time. No, you never, not once do you see that. Well, there's one time. Only once did this ever happen. And that's Romans 15. And it says, I'm just going to quote it. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. So while we were enemies, while, while we hated God, while we're in the worst of the worst of the worst, God said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to come in. Here's my heart. I'll die so you can live. I'm going to leave you guys with this. To love God, we have to encounter the love of God. Can I get the the band to come up? Hear that. To love God, we have to encounter the love of God. So think about God's love for just a second. As something that you can encounter. You see, it's only through this greater love that God has for us that we can push out lesser loves. So maybe in here right now, you're like, bud, I hear what you're saying. You got some good points. But the reality is my heart is just beelining this way. And God's over here. And I'm just not, I'm so consumed with all this stuff. And I just can't seem, can I tell you, when you start to encounter God's love, what happens is he pushes out all lesser loves. All things that you thought were so important that you couldn't live without. All of a sudden you encounter Jesus. You're like, what was I thinking? Some of you guys went to camp and you didn't have your phone for like five days. And the first of camp you're like, this is the worst thing in the world. I'm going to die. And some of you really thought that. Really? And then by the end of camp you're like, what do I even do with this thing? Like, I didn't even need it. It was amazing not having it. The things that we think are so important. You get God's love. It's a greater love, and it pushes out lesser loves. Instead, we get God's love that engulfs us. His love engulfs us, and this furious love that God has for us, so furious for you, that he sent his only son to die for you. That's the type of love that God has for you. There is no greater love. 
And it shows our, heart, our hearts that there is nothing else worth more. Would you guys pray with me? And then we're going to respond. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for your love. God, you've called us to love with our whole selves. God, tonight I pray that you would help us. Help us. Help us to recognize where our hearts gleam towards. Help us to recognize where our hearts are going towards. And if it's not you, God, God, we need you. And, and for some of us, if we're honest, we need some we need some heart surgery. We need you to come in and take out the old self. We need a new heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you died so we can have that. Your love is so much greater. In your holy name, amen. You guys can come up and worship. As you go to worship today, if God puts something in your heart, or maybe God's trying to work and do something, maybe there's some truth that you're like, man, that's, uh, that's me, bud. And if you're honest, I would encourage you guys, don't leave here without sharing that with somebody. It could be your friend next to you. It could be one of the leaders. I want you to share, like, hey, remember when, when Bud said that? Like, that thing hit my heart. I realized that, yeah, this is, that's me. And that's okay. I want you guys to do life and be real with each other. That's how we grow in our love. Let's worship. Real quick before we start, before they start singing the next song, I know typically right now we would just go into the next song, but I just feel like God wants to do something right now, and um, I want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. So Melissa gave me a word that she felt like God had given her early this week and then felt it again today just going into this service. And um, she said she felt like there's just some least one maybe more people in this room that there's just you're carrying darkness there's like a darkness and it, it it's like there's something heavy in your whether maybe it's something in your home maybe it's something in like a uh, that's happening in relationships friendships or whatever maybe there's just something that you are struggling with hard right now and it's it just feels super heavy and I just I feel like God wants to do something in this place and in you tonight and he doesn't want you to leave the same way he doesn't want you to leave carrying any heavy burdens he doesn't want you to leave carrying the weight of the world feeling like you're all alone God wants to meet with you now and he wants you to see how good and faithful he is he wants you to know how much he loves you much he's for you and that he's with you so if that's if that's you I'm gonna ask you to be bold sometimes it takes a little bit of boldness to step out and just be honest be it's not you know it's not about being trying to be tough it's not about trying to look strong and and it's it's not about this isn't really even about admitting weakness 
It's running to God's strength. It's running to God's faithfulness. It's running to his love for you. So if that's you, I want to ask that you raise your hand. We want to have people gather around you. They can come alongside you and minister to you and pray for you. We got one right here. We got a second one right here. We got a third. Somebody along the wall over there. Come on, guys, gather around these folks. There's one right here in the front. else don't miss this opportunity there's somebody right back there in the, in the chair that was paid for us on the cross. It's been done. And nothing needs to be added to it. You bore the stripes for our sickness, for our ailments, for our broken hearts. God, I pray that you would bring healing, that you would restore every brokenness, that you would make straight every crooked path, that you would right every wrong, that you would heal the deep scars and lives right now, the deep brokenness, the deep hurts, the weights that people are carrying, God, I pray that you would help them to lay those at your feet, and God, I thank you that you're faithful to take those burdens and you replace it with a yoke of easiness, a yoke of gladness, you you replace it with joy, you replace it with gladness, with hope, with peace, thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that you're here and you're moving in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way. We invite you, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Let freedom reign in every heart. Let freedom reign in every soul, every mind. Be released from pain. Be released from the pain of your past. Be released from the pain and the sorrow and the the brokenness that you've carried, the weight that you've carried. Be released and receive freedom in Jesus' name. Receive healing in Jesus' name. Let's worship. i 
I've seen metal plates dissolve. Don't you tell me you can't do it. Don't you tell me you can't do it. I've seen real life resurrection. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me you can't do it. Don't you tell me you can't do it. I've seen families reunited. Thank you. 
quick before we move on. I'm going to, Brady had a word, she put a picture she felt like God gave her, so I'm going to let her share it real quick. So I had a picture in my head that somebody was like hesitating to step over a bridge. And I just feel like if there's anybody here that is struggling to step over that bridge and accept God, please let one of us know that so that we can help you because it's wonderful on the other side. Guys, if you're hesitant, please let us know. Awesome. That's. It takes a lot of boldness to share what you feel like God's putting in your heart. And, and in moments like these, we don't want to pass it up. We're trusting the Holy Spirit to work in our, in our lives. And we, we trust God to move. And in a time like this, we're pressing into God, asking God, would you move in our hearts? We're looking to him and worshiping him. And God calling people to himself, drawing people to himself. He's a pursuant God. So we tend to be resistant and we tend to run and try to hide from God, but God continues to pursue us. No matter how far we go, we can, he continues to pursue us and he says, there's nothing that you can do that's too big for me. There's nowhere you can go that you can hide from my love. It's his grace and it's mercy. It's his kindness. It's not him telling you what a bad person you are. It's God saying, I love you so much. Just surrender to me. Let me show you my goodness. Let me show you my kindness. Let me show you my love. If that's you, we don't want to pass up that moment. So I'm going to once again ask you to be bold. Is there somebody in this room that you've resisted God and you know God's calling you to surrender your heart to him? in this moment you can take that opportunity to step towards God and say yes receive salvation receive mercy receive healing for your soul is there anybody anybody that wants to be bold we have one right here yes amazing Listen, if you're raising your hand, it's not about somebody else praying for you. It's a prayer that you have to pray yourself. And it's very simple. You're just asking, you're just repenting of your sin. You're turning from your sin and saying, God, forgive me. Jesus, would you be my savior? But I'm asking you to pray that prayer yourself. The others will gather around you and support.
that I got can't do. Oh, there's nothing 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 that I got can't do. Oh, God, we praise you. Oh, there's nothing that I got can't do. Oh, there's nothing that I got can't do. Oh, there's nothing that I got can't do. Oh, God, there's nothing that I got can't do. Oh, there's nothing that I got can't experiences we come from there's a lot of broken families a lot of brokenness in our lives and and there's Carter came to me it was like I just really feel like God wants to do something in people that have a broken family and God wants to work in their lives and I, God is the one that restores the enemy wants to destroy families the enemy wants to tear tear people apart So he's going to be praying over there, and I'm going to be over there with him. I want to pray with you as well. So if that's you, please make your way over here to the side. And I do, before we do that, I want to celebrate real quick the eight people that just gave their lives to Jesus. It's the most amazing thing you can ever do with your life. We want to celebrate it. So, man, if, if you are in that group and you know you need God to work in your life, you're coming, your family is broken, you need God to work in your heart, step over to the side. They're going to continue to lead and worship just a little bit longer. And then Bud's going to lead us in a, in a game in just a moment. But before we do, we just want to continue to minister to people that need it right now.
are good. You are worthy. God, this is, this is our act of saying, God, we want to love you with our whole selves. God, here is my heart. Take it. Thank you so much for who you are, what you're doing, and who you've called us. We love you. We praise you. In your name, amen. Guys, it is an honor, a joy to worship with you. Guys, uh, it is, it is uh, it's, it's hard to wrap up a time like this, but uh, do me a favor. As, as we kind of get ready to wrap up and go into the game, make sure you celebrate. You, you high-five some of the people that made big decisions tonight, all that kind of stuff. This is an awesome opportunity. This is a good time. Celebration. Now, what I need your help with, though, for the game is I need you to move all the chairs on the sides. So I need everybody to kind of grab a chair and move it to the side. Get all those chairs, move over to the side.